You're listening to The Singer's Muse. I'm your host, Tish Oni, and I'm delighted to be speaking today with David Rhine, the Artistic Director of SC Bach. Welcome, David. Thank you. It's great to be here. We are looking forward to talking with you about your organization, SC Bach. Would you please tell us a little bit about that performance organization that you lead? Sure. Uh, we started in 2014, so we're a fairly young organization. Uh, as ensembles go, we began with a uh, premise of presenting the music of J.S. Bach and his contemporaries and his family, his sons uh, and predecessors. So we began in uh, starting with programming in the fall of 2015. We developed an ensemble, a choral ensemble, which was largely volunteer but with singers of uh, varying uh, expertise. So they were singing for the love of singing, but they were certainly, and they still are certainly, uh, great musicians in their own right. We began uh, hiring local instrumentalists to uh, round out our ensembles, and we've enjoyed a great relationship with our local instrumentalists in the area, as well as vocalists. Pretty soon after beginning, we made a commitment to uh, do at least part of our programming uh, with original instruments and uh, Baroque orchestras. So we have had a great relationship with the North Carolina Baroque Orchestra and have presented a number of concerts with them and their period instrument players from around the country uh, and on a couple of occasions, uh, including musicians from Europe as well. So we started out with the premise of, of presenting major works, uh, orchestra, choral works, as well as presenting some free concerts for of small ensembles. And part of our mission is to present as much as we can present to the public with uh, reasonable mission charges. So this varies from short pre-events. We actually call them box shorts. Depending on the year, three to five concerts a year are categorized for us as box shorts, and they're presented free to the public. Uh, other concerts, the main full orchestra concerts, are uh, also very uh, reasonably priced, we think. That's part of our mission to keep the costs down and as reasonable as we can. Uh, education has been a great part of our organization thus far, especially when we have visiting instrumentalists in the area. We've had some good relationships with local public schools, presenting music to elementary school children as well as middle school and high school. And we've made a decision to include at least some informal lectures within our programming for the first five years that we've been in existence. That's, that's wonderful that you're doing this for the South Carolina community. Where did uh, Bach get his inspiration? Your performing organization celebrates the music of one composer. Mm -hmm. uh, so right. you must know a lot about him. Where do you suppose he got his inspiration? Well, you know, Johann Sebastian Bach, the, the famous Bach, the one that uh, if anybody knows anything about Bach, it's, it's J.S. Bach. He was part of a long line of musicians in central Germany. 
that began 200 years before his birth. It's often said that if an organization in Box Day needed a new musician, they went and looked for a Bach because that family was just known as the musical family and the go-to clan, if you will, for musicians. Instead of formal education, the uh, musicians learn from each other. And so there was this passing down of tradition from one generation to the next, uh, rather than formal public private education that we know of today. So by the time of late 17th century, early 18th century, uh, when Bach was a young boy, he had already apprenticed with several of his older family members. And that was carried down through his children as well. Three of his children became very famous musicians in their own right. The other thing about Bach's day was the sharing of music from one composer to another. And Bach was able to hear and see scores from other great composers of his day, notably Vivaldi in Venice, uh, Couperin in Paris. And one of the amazing things about Bach was his ability to, to assimilate uh, everything that he came across. So the style, the Italian style, instrumental style of Vivaldi and Corelli, he took as his own. The uh, French style of uh, Couperin, he took as his own and expanded on it and made it even greater than it was before. So Bach learned from his family, his predecessors, great musicians that were in other parts of Europe uh, at the same time, and through experience. Um, it's easy to find examples of his work from early in his life and later in his life and see how his art developed and how he developed as a composer through those years, even to the point where he would revise earlier works so that uh, there are several variations of the same work that he composed. And you can see how his uh, creative mind uh, evolved and developed over time. From a uh, musicologist to a musicologist, we could talk all day about that. I... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. On that note, why Bach? Why not S.C. Brahms or S.C. Copeland or some right. other composer? Right. How did you come to decide that you wanted to celebrate the music of J.S. Bach and his children? Right. Um, my initial classical training was as an organist. And so through the organ, I discovered his organ works. And any organist will tell you that the backbone of the organ repertoire is the music of Bach. Mm. So that was my initiation into the world of Bach. And I just love the, love the music, um, the harmonic progressions, the sequences that Bach works out and just rhythmic drive that gives it its distinct sound. From an early age, that became very important to me and, and inspired me uh, to practice, which is what every musician needs, I think, is some reason to practice and some music that, that 
inspires them and excites them. And Bach did that for me. When I um, left graduate school and started working with choruses, I started to learn, and this was probably later than the instrumental works, whether they be organ or some of the other orchestra works, I started to experience some of the uh, choral works, the cantatas, the passions, uh, the B minor mass. And so that repertoire became a new venture for me or a new discovery for me once I started working. So the cantatas, which outnumber the organ works, at least the large-scale organ works, uh, provide such a rich source of musical gems. And if you think about the existing Bach cantatas that we still have, over 200 of probably four or 500 original works, we still have knowledge of and music for about 200 of these cantatas. And they're all beautiful, but some are just true gems. And to dig into the cantatas and find these uh, find these gems of the box output in the Baroque era uh, is just amazing to me. And every time I sit down with a new cantata, uh, I find something that I didn't know existed, either uh, the style or a little trick that he uses here that I've never experienced before. So just finding the newness in this music that's 300 years old is, is fascinating to me. Now, transitioning a bit from uh, J.S. Bach to David Rhine, I'm interested in hearing, when do you feel most inspired? Are there times or seasons that fuel your work? Hmm, that's a good question. I can't say that there's any one moment uh, or season Bach was such a great translator of text into music. He really writes mm -hmm. the text in musical notation. So for the Christmas season, whether it be the Christmas Oratorio or the Magnificat, he takes that text and translates it into music that's so meaningful and carries the text so well that it's just an inspiration. And then you go to the Easter passion season, the Lenten season just before Easter, and you explore a little bit of the St. John Passion, which is a huge work. It's a monumental work over an hour long, maybe close to two hours long, and multi-movements. And there's just one movement after another. And if you really pay attention to the text, it's just hard to come away without an emotional reaction. People think of Bach as, as this um, technical wizard where uh, you have all of these contrapuntal musical lines within a piece of music, and it's great for the mind. But people miss out if they think that's all that Bach is, if it's just a mental exercise. There is so much emotion in the music and the way he writes uh, text that expresses sorrow and pain uh, versus the way he writes music to express joy. Uh, it's just amazing how he can be so emotionally expressive. 
Yes, I've always felt that way about box music too. Mm-hmm. As we're talking about that, this is a good time to introduce that we're going to include an excerpt from the SC box performance of the Christmas Oratorio. So listen to this. Let's talk now about our upcoming collaborative concert, Bach and Jazz with Tish Oni, which by the way, I'm incredibly honored to participate in as your featured artist. Uh, please tell us what uh, listeners can expect if they tune into this concert that's going to stream and how you came to select that collaborative project. It may surprise listeners to think about Bach and 
jazz in the same context. But part of the music of Bach and the Baroque era in general was improvisation and creating on the spot. Uh, people don't think of it that way, and we certainly don't think of, of Bach's music as, uh, how should I say, uh, created without a lot of thought and uh, diligence behind the scenes. But one of the things that interests me very much is how keyboard performance within a large composition is actually just basically written out in sketch form. And the player had an awful lot of leeway regarding how he or she would fill in the chords, if you will, and how the, uh, the music is fresh every time it's performed. Mm -hmm. And I think, at least personally, I think of jazz that way. I think it's, it's uh, fresh and new every time it's performed mm -hmm. with certainly a framework in mind, but not, not necessarily all the notes prescribed on the page. And you can chime in and, and tell me if you agree with that. or <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah, I definitely feel that um, box music can be approached in a parallel way, much like the improvisatory music of jazz, because right. there is that element of improvisation that exists within box music. And also the approach from the vocal point of view, the, uh, the, the singers that perform Bach the best, in my opinion, and in the opinions of a lot of Bach purists, really, are the voices that are streamlined and have a bit more point to them uh, as opposed to a wider vibrato that you might associate with an opera singer or particularly a, a dramatic opera style singer. Exactly right. What makes for a good jazz singer probably makes for a good box singer as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I absolutely think so. And incidentally, for folks who may want to tune in to our, our collaborative concert in the coming months, and we don't have a release date for that yet, but please stay tuned on both of our respective websites, scbach.org and tishoni.com. Uh, you'll find information as we get closer to releasing that recorded performance. Uh, but folks should know too, in going into this, that I had a touring concert of 14 Bach arias that I put together several years ago and sang an all Bach recital called Journey Through Holy Week with Johann Sebastian Bach. So it was the story of Easter, really, the story of Christ's life and all of the events leading up to Easter Sunday as told through the eyes and ears and music of Bach by culling arias and recitatives from his cantatas and the St. John Passion and the St. Matthew Passion. And so with all of those resources, that was quite a long concert that I really loved. It was very close to my heart. And the opportunity that has presented itself to combine some of that repertoire with a jazz set as well of my music is has been 
kind of a dream come true for me. So I'm really looking forward to this. And I want to say thank you, David, to you and to your board for planning this event. And we're, we have not yet recorded it, um, but we will do that soon. And uh, we are greatly looking forward to that. How would you describe what folks can expect when they come to watch that or listen to that uh, video recorded performance? I, th I think they'll, they'll come away with a different attitude toward Bach mm -hmm. once they hear the music intertwined with your compositions. They'll certainly think about it in a different way, whether they're listening to arias from the Magnificat or from one of the Passions, or listening to one of your pieces like Be Still and Know. I think hearing them back to back and juxtaposed will be a new experience. Certainly it'll be a new experience for our organization, and we're very excited to have this on our docket for this this year. Uh, unfortunately, have, having to be virtual, but uh, we certainly are excited about having this new venture for us, and perhaps for us a bit of an expansion of our past uh, repertoire. So it's a, a great event for us, a new way for us to look at our music that we've been trying to concentrate on, and uh, a great combination of two styles of music perhaps that really perhaps aren't that far apart right and and another wonderful uh thing about this collaborative performance in my mind is that all of the performers will be playing the bach music as well as the jazz music so when you hear the flute obligato on uh ich folge dir gleichfalls that's the same flutist that will be performing on saxophone for uh, all of the jazz charts on that same uh, recording date. And the bass player also plays with the Greenville Symphony Orchestra. So he'll be playing both styles. I'll be singing both styles. Uh, and our guitarist also plays with the, uh, with the symphony. Uh, from time to time, and so he has some classical chops as well, you, which you'll hear, and uh, some wonderful, wonderful jazz chops too. So uh, I'd like to let folks know who those people are. David Ryan here with us will be playing organ. Matt Olson will be playing saxophone and flute. Matt Dingledean will be playing guitar. Ian Burkita will be playing bass. And Justin Watt will be playing drums and percussion. And uh, here is a selection of mine called Year Round Blues from my Sweet Youth album featuring John Chiodini on the guitar to give you a taste of what that jazz set might be like. I once knew a man who now is no more. He loved to spend his summers with me on the shore. He liked to tell jokes and drink his champagne. The way he disappeared was a crying shame. In winter we'd go and play in the snow. The icicles would linger into April's glow. And soon I would find a 
story to tell Before I knew it, head over heels I fell back toward you for one last question David where do you find inspiration during times like this when you can't as easily gather your singers and instrumentalists to perform together that's a good question 
we're all suffering right now with not being able to perform live in front of audiences. I think we all get inspiration from our audiences and we get energy from, from audiences. I have a lot of friends who are putting selections of music, solo selections, or maybe very small ensembles out on YouTube uh, just to keep their chops, if you will. I've done a little bit of that, but for me, it's, it's working toward the future and looking at possibilities for the future and knowing that we'll be back performing hopefully soon. It is reflective time right now. And inspiration has to come from the music itself and not in the performing. Yes, and it's so true. Here is more Bach's music performed by S.C. Bach. The first movement of the Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 4 featuring the North Carolina Baroque Orchestra. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. David Ryan has been our guest here on The Singer's Muse. And thank you, David, for sharing news about our upcoming concert, Bach and Jazz with Tish Oni. We are thrilled to be collaborating together on that. And uh, we will be recording and presenting that to you at a later date. Check out scbach.org and tishoni.com for information about that 
concert. Thanks for joining us on The Singer's Muse. I'm Tish Oni, your host. Have a beautiful day.